Hey there, are you sick and tired of feeling sick and tired? Join Adol Kozilski and Fagy Stern as they explore ways to reverse chronic illness and achieve vibrant health. Your health is your only wealth and together we can be better. Hashtag Healthy You, Wealthy You. Good morning, good morning, and welcome to the Healthy You Wealth You Show. I'm Adel Kozilski. I'm waiting for my partner, Faggy, to join me. She's running a little bit late. But nevertheless, we've got a very, very exciting show ahead with us. And we are going to be talking of, on one of my favorite subjects and something that I've had to educate myself a lot about, and that is the illness of inflammation. It hasn't really been treated as a disease before. Um, it seemed to be a byproduct. But we are going to be unpacking this idea today, and we're going to e- explain to you how inflammation really is the mother of all disease. And if we would know how to handle our inflammation, we probably would get rid of a lot of dis-ease in our lives. We welcome you to join the conversation on 34519. That is our SMS line. 0618951019 is our telegram number. And who are we going to be speaking to? We are going to be speaking to a lovely lady by the name of Carly Seeger. She's a registered dietitian working in private practice in Sandton, Johannesburg. She graduated cum laude from Stellenbosch University with a BSc in dietetics. And over the years in private practice, Carly has developed a keen interest in the functional and integrative nutritional space. She's very passionate about helping her patients improve and optimize their holistic health and well-being by using personalized nutrition strategies to help treat, manage, and prevent chronic disease. She also enjoys consulting to the media, as she is going to be doing today, and to corporates, and has worked with several local local and international brands to create awareness around nutrition. Thank you, Carly, for joining us on the show. Good morning. Thanks for having me, Adel. Such a pleasure to be here. So let's just start a little bit about you. Like, it's really nice always to get to know the person. Like, how did you come into the space that you are today? I think I've always been interested in nutrition and food. It's been something innate in my personality. It's been something that I just love from a young girl. I grew up on a farm, so grew up around lots of fresh vegetables. We had a huge veggie garden, so grew up really playing with food, getting to know food, um, loving just yeah, experimenting with, with different vegetables, never being fussy with any types of veggies or food because I was exposed to it. And then as I got older... And inherently, I just started making eating plans for my family. I'd start making eating plans for my granny, just forcing her to eat her veggies, forcing her to eat her fruit, making her go on walks around the block. It just seemed to be something um, innate in me. And I love teaching. I love educating. I love working with people. So automatically, when it came to choosing what I wanted to study, I love the healthcare industry. I love biology. I love physiology. So dietetics was just a a natural choice. Um, So I studied and studied traditional dietetics and then came out of it. And I moved very soon after working in a hospital setting into private practice. And the reason for that was because I wanted to make people healthier. I didn't want to make sick people 
live a few days longer. And as horrible as that sounds, that is a lot of the time what you are doing in especially a government hospital setting and you're working with real, you know, acute diseases. I wanted to make people feel the best they possibly could and really um, help optimize health. And that's why private practice was the natural progression. So yeah, I've been working in Ilovo for a long time now. And it's amazing how things just align and the functional and integrative space is just where my interest has has been drawn to because that's where I've seen the biggest difference in my patients is really implementing a more holistic view um, around health and nutrition. I think that, that that's very important. And this is one of the, the mission statements of the Healthy You Wealthy You show is that we can't look at disease as something that you pinpoint to, oh, my knee is sore. Your knee is sore and is part of a much greater greater picture and sometimes just you know there, there are opportunities where you can fix up something else in the body and that will take away that specific disease that you have or you know um, condition that you have today we want to discuss inflammation because inflammation I actually heard somebody saying that we can now make it a verb and say people are inflammaging okay yes. it's like they've actually made it into a doing word that that's you know that's that's where we're at. So let's have a broad definition about what is inflammation from a holistic and integrative medicine point of view. Perfect. So when we look at inflammation, we look at two different types of inflammation, and I think that's really important to understand the difference between them. The first is acute inflammation. Okay, so acute inflammation is part of the immune system response. We love acute inflammation. We need acute inflammation. Without it, we wouldn't be able to fight off viruses and um, infections, and we wouldn't be able to heal a broken bone or to heal a cut or a wound. So that acute inflammatory response really is the classical symptoms of inflammation. It's where blood flow increases to the area. It's when your white blood cell production increases. It's that redness, swelling, heat, pain, all of those classical symptoms that are associated with the inflammatory response. But the key differentiation here with acute inflammation is that it tends to spike up really quickly and then it drops down and it resolves within a couple of hours or a few days usually. That's acute inflammation. The body should be able to switch off that inflammatory response. But what we're seeing more and more and more of today in modern society is chronic inflammation. So chronic inflammation occurs in individuals when the body struggles to switch off the acute inflammatory response and you're left with this lower level of circulating inflammatory cytokines, which are basically these chemical messengers that travel around your body and they are talking to your cells, they're talking to your tissues, they're talking to your organs, and your body's just left in this constant state of alert. And it's this chronic low-grade inflammation that so many people don't know about and they don't understand how it's connected to so many various health conditions and and chronic disease risk. I think you're using the word cytokine, and that was something that became part of everybody's lexicon during during COVID, like suddenly you're having this cytokine storm. And if yeah. I could be bold enough to go and say, like what COVID brought out was to show that everybody was living with low-grade chronic inflammation. Am I right? Possibly, possibly. And what we did see is that individuals who suffered more severely with the symptoms and the side effects of COVID either had more variants on the inflammatory genes, so they were predisposed to struggling with chronic inflammation or predisposed to struggling to switch off the inflammatory response. So 
a poor lifestyle, chronic inflammation, coupled now with COVID, which launches this massive acute inflammatory response, really does put the body into this state of massive inflammation or known as that cytokine storm. Um, so cytokines really are those little communicators that just upregulate inflammation and over-dramatize the inflammatory response in the body. Okay, so we are talking about inflammation and we are talking to Carly Seeger and we are just going to quickly say a good morning to Faggy. Hello, Faggy. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you, Carly. Hi, thank you for joining us. So, um, you're back online over uh, over here. We are talking about inflammation. If you have got any questions or any comments around the concept of inflammation, we're already going to talk a lot about it. You can SMS us on 34519 or telegram us on 061-895-1019. Um, this is the Healthy You, Wealthy You show with Adol Kosilski and Faggy Stern. We're talking to Carly Seeger, a dietitian in, in Johannesburg about inflammation. And uh, <clears throat> we had a definition between acute and chronic inflammation. Let's answer the question, Carly, how do we test for inflammation in the body? Like, how do I know I've got inflammation? Such a, such a good question, Edel. And basically what we would look at is several different factors. So there are certain blood tests that we can do. A healthcare professional can order for you, whether it's an integrative doctor or a dietitian can order some of the blood tests as well. So there's HSCRP. This is an inflammatory marker. We can look at fibrinogen. We can look at ESR. We can look at ferritin, uric acid. All of these blood tests can be signs of acute or chronic inflammation as well. So that Blood tests is a good way to check. Um, genetics is also really helpful. I know you do talk a lot about genetics on the show too and epigenetics. So I work a lot with the de-analysis genetic tests and there we can see are you predisposed to suffering from chronic low-grade inflammation and there we can really make that proactive decision to prevent inflammation in the first place. So before you had to develop it, we can test several different genes that are involved in regulating the inflammatory response and they're involved in the actual production of those cytokines and we can see how um, predisposed you are. Um, is it a high risk for you genetically? So you can make those decisions. And then another way to measure chronic inflammation indirectly is to have your visceral fat measured. So visceral fat is the fat inside your abdominal cavity. It wraps around your organs. It's different to subcutaneous fat, which sits under the skin. And there has been a strong correlation between how much visceral fat you have and how inflamed you are. And this is super interesting because fat cells, especially the fat cells that sit around your waist and that sit around your tummy area and your abdominal area, um, so that abdominal adiposity or abdominal obesity, those types of fat cells are different to the fat cells that might be on the rest of your body, so your thighs um, or your arms or upper body. So those fat cells are what we call pro-inflammatory. So they actually secrete adipokines, which are similar to cytokines. They're secreted by the fat cells and they themselves upregulate inflammation. So typically when we measure visceral fat, we would measure it with um a special in-body scale, which measures body composition, and that gives us a reading, and that's a more accurate reading. Or you can look at waist circumference, and if your waist circumference is above 90 centimeters for men and above 80 centimeters for women, chances are that visceral fat might be a little bit elevated, and that can be a good indicator of, of chronic low-grade inflammation. That's what very causes inflammation? 
Sorry, Fergie. Sorry, what causes the inflammation? What's the cause and what aggravates that chronic inflammation? Good question. So it's, there's a variety of different factors here. So genetics, if you're genetically predisposed, it's going to be more likely that acute inflammation won't resolve as rapidly and might lead into chronic low-grade inflammation. So genetics play a big role here. Um, untreated infections can be another cause of that low-grade lingering chronic inflammation. Stress is a massive trigger for inflammation. And then our diet and lifestyle, sitting too much, not moving, not exercising can certainly cause it. And then an inflammatory diet. So high intake of processed foods, sugars, gluten, um, smoking, too much alcohol, too much caffeine can be a trigger for inflammation as well. All of your animal fats, saturated fats, processed meats, refined carbohydrates, we really do call that a pro-inflammatory environment. Not sleeping enough is another big trigger or contributor to chronic inflammation as well. Not managing stress, not breathing. Um, and then weight, unfortunately, carrying excess weight and especially weight around your midsection is a trigger for inflammation. So when you like, say um, infections, do you mean like viral infections, bacterial infections? Is it something then that you have to go and test for further? It depends on, I would start with those blood tests relative to checking inflammation first. Um, it, it really depends on your history and it depends on the individual, what we would suspect. You'd have to look at other symptoms and other side effects too. There's a variety of different infections, but usually if there is an infection, that CRP level will be very, very high. Um, often in the case of chronic inflammation, it's not dramatically increased, but it's higher than what we would like. So that's, yeah, a way we can tell. Can I ask you just um, in terms of looking at inflammation, does the different blood tests, I'm, I'm just taking two, for example, the high sensitivity, C, uh, uh, what's it, CRP, CRP, and the ferritin, would it tell you like what, that there's a difference in, in inflammation or they just inflammation markers and it's still like what I'm asking is, will ferritin say the inflammation is of this type? Whereas the high sensitivity, they're all the same thing, right? You still want to know exactly where the inflammation or why the inflammation is happening. It's just indicated yeah. that there is inflammation. Exactly. So that's often helpful if we do have genetics. It can, it can really indicate that it might be coming from a high predisposition to struggling with inflammation. Um, but that is where the individual assessment comes in. If there is any sort of gut health um issues coming into play it can be it could be coming from there and it just really depends on me looking at the individual as a whole if the stress is through the roof if the sleep is really poor if, if i have a look at their individual diet and i can say okay you are eating a lot of these pro-inflammatory foods these fire breathers that that could be increasing it so it is a little bit of a trial and error puzzle piece where we have to figure out how we can get the inflammation down. And by changing certain elements, we would then redo the blood test and make sure they are coming down. Um, often in the case of infection, what we would do, if the HSCRP was really, really elevated, I would give it two weeks, retest the, the blood test again. Um, and if it hasn't come down, then send to a doctor for further testing and, and look deeper into that. You never mentioned in terms of um, testing that you would also go test for food allergies. Would that not be part of the protocol? So food allergies, it's, they can be quite tricky to test for as well. 
Sorry, Adel, I think you broke up a little bit there. No, um, I, we can hear you. Continue. Okay, perfect. So food allergies or intolerances, I think there's quite a big confusion between the two. So food allergies, often you'll know if you're allergic to something because it elicits an immune response straight away, right? And that is more of an acute immune response, an acute inflammatory response. So it would be hives or it would be a rash or it would be a swollen tongue or a swollen throat. That's that's an allergy, whereas an intolerance is a little bit harder to pick up on. And over time, an intolerance like gluten or dairy can cause that chronic low-grade inflammation or can contribute to it for sure. So we do test in the genetic test, we look for lactose and we look for gluten. It's quite hard to pick up for a gluten intolerance or um, a dairy intolerance, not an allergy, an intolerance in a blood test. It's very, those blood tests don't pick up intolerances. They might pick up celiac disease, but you can be gluten intolerant without being having full-blown celiac disease. So oftentimes that then requires like an elimination diet or, or a trial and error to see. Generally, my protocol of trying to get inflammation down, I generally do like to give up gluten and dairy for a period of time just to try and really bring those levels down if depending on how high they are. Um, and then it depends on the individual. Some people can control the inflammation while including small amounts of those foods, some people are more sensitive. So it really does depend on the, the individual. We're speaking to Carly Seeger. We're talking about inflammation and maybe you are inflammaging. If you'd like to ask Carly a question or pass a comment, 34519 is our SMS line. 061-895-1019 is our telegram number so just in 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 moving forward with understanding what is the link between unmanaged chronic low grade inflammation and chronic and, and chronic disease risk like can we say as i said in the beginning that probably all your d- diseases your cancers your heart diseases and everything like that re- alzheimers came from inflammation like yes. is that is that a correct statement I don't think inflammation is the the sole cause, but it's definitely one of the contributing causes to a lot of our chronic low-grade diseases. And if we look back retrospectively, what the new research is now starting to show is that all of these chronic diseases have their roots in unmanaged inflammation. So it really is a root cause of a lot of the the health issues that we're seeing today. So whether it be autoimmunity, so autoimmune diseases like fibromyalgia or whether it be Hashimoto's or if it is um, rheumatoid arthritis, those are all linked to unmanaged inflammation and unmanaged inflammation makes them worse and, and worsens their symptoms. So autoimmune disease is a big one. Then your cancer and heart disease and diabetes, certainly, um, with especially with heart disease and if we look at stroke and heart attack and if we look at cholesterol issues, it's inflammation that actually hardens your blood vessels and promotes the oxidation and promotes the hardening of that cholesterol plaque within your artery walls and can really progress or fast track the development of heart disease. And with diabetes and insulin resistance and pre-diabetes, there's definitely a link there between inflammation and and that. Um, we also see PCOS, endometriosis. Those can be worsened by chronic low-grade inflammation, and chronic low-grade inflammation can be part of the pathophysiology and the cause of those diseases. 
dementia, Alzheimer's, absolutely inflammation of the brain is one of the contributing causes. It's not the only contributing causes. We also have to look at beta amyloid plaque and um, tau and, and other aspects there. So obesity and weight, absolutely, I see this all the time is that if that level of chronic low-grade inflammation is elevated, it really puts your body into this sort of storage building mode and it's very difficult to get the weight down with conventional calorie restriction methods unless you're treating the root cause of inflammation um yeah because inflammation I does cause- this calorie restriction mm-hmm. concept because you know there's so much out there about calorie restriction and you go to a dietitian and they tell you to eat a certain amount but it could be that you eat a piece of cake for the entire day and those are the calories that you're taking in. Or you can have some sugar and, 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 but that's all inflammatory types of foods. And um, so surely the calorie restricting diets are not necessarily the way to go. It depends what those calories are made up of for you. So I think it's so important when you're looking at a healthy eating plan or a healthy diet, you've got to address both sides of the coin. You've got to look at quality of your nutrition and you've got to look at quantity. So I'm not saying calories are not important. Of course, they're important. But this whole mindset that's going on at the moment on social media, there's a lot of unqualified individuals giving information on this and saying that if you count your calories, that's all that matters. That's all you have to do for weight loss. That's absolutely far from the truth because it's just not going to do your body and your health any good long-term. So you've got to look at how are the foods that you're eating, how are they communicating with every single cell in your body, every single tissue, every single organ. Food is basically the communication and it's the message messengers that you're actually putting into your body. So you've got to understand how that um, affects the functioning of your day-to-day physiology. And yes, inflammation, driving inflammation or calming inflammation down is something that food plays a massive role in. And what I often say to my patients is to think of inflammation like a fire. It's like this low burning, slow burning fire in your body. And you've got to almost see foods as petrol or water, or a fire extinguisher. So are the foods that you're eating adding gas and adding petrol to that fire, or are the foods you're eating calming it down and settling the inflammation? So that's really a way to think about it. So that would be like turning the genes on or turning them off. Yeah, not only on a gene level, even if maybe you're not predisposed to inflammation genetically, but your environment is so pro-inflammatory, so you're highly stressed, you're overworked, you're not sleeping properly, your diet is terrible, you're skipping meals, whatever the case may be. You might even have really beautiful genes from an inflammatory perspective, but your your environment is causing the inflammation. Still, the food that you eat can make a massive difference there at just switching off the inflammation that's currently present in your body. But yes, the genes that we're looking at in context of inflammation are very influenced by your diet. And those Can I ask you the link between insulin and inflammation? Yes. Okay. So it's not necessarily a direct, direct link, but the more inflamed you are, the more likely it is that you're going to store fat around your middle. So that visceral fat that we were speaking about, that abdominal adiposity. And we know that as that waist circumference grows, your peripheral cells become less sensitive to the signals that insulin gives. So we know that insulin is there to move glucose 
from the bloodstream into the cells where that energy and that sugar can actually be used. And as insulin levels climb up and as the cells start ignoring the signals of insulin, that's when we start to see prediabetes or insulin resistance. Um, but when we look at the diagnosis of insulin resistance as well, it's not only fasting insulin in a blood test that we would look at. We also have to look at your HDL cholesterol levels, your good cholesterol. We have to look at your triglycerides. Um, and those triglycerides are certainly increased by too much alcohol, by refined carbohydrates. We have to look at blood pressure. If you just think of your blood vessels struggling with inflammation or being inflamed and being constricted, that's automatically going to increase your blood pressure, right? So blood pressure is part of the diagnostic criteria for insulin resistance as well. Um, that waist circumference is another one, fasting sugar. So there is a link. It's not as direct though as, as one might think. It's more complicated about looking at the body as a whole and seeing how all of those systems fit together. Could we go and say that 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 as time progresses, we are going to see people who are going to be called inflammologists, like that, you know, you're going to get you get neurologists, <laughs> like it would make sense that there would be, you know, like a, a a person who focuses just on inflammation and understands it's the, the complex ways that that inflammation really does affect health. That would be amazing. I don't see it. I don't see it yet, but that would be fabulous. If you do have a dietitian or um, a doctor who is more integrative and is more holistic, inflammation is one of our major focus points generally um, is because once that inflammation settles, the body starts functioning as it should. And we wanting to functional medicine and functional nutrition really is about restoring balance in the body. It's getting the body back to a state of um, balance and homeostasis and where it's able to function as it's supposed to. And decreasing inflammation is one of the major, major focus points there. Um, and it's just amazing to see how diet really does affect those levels. I see it every single day in practice. And it's, it doesn't have to be crazy extreme strategies to actually see a massive difference in those inflammatory markers and also symptomatically how you're feeling. And I think going on a tangent, but oftentimes patients say to me, but how do I know I'm inflamed? Aside from the blood test, how do I feel it? And it's so hard to pinpoint that because the symptoms of inflammation are so nonspecific. They're so broad and it can be pointed to a million and one different things. It could be headaches. It could be IBS-like symptoms. It could be sore, achy joints. It could be fatigue. So there's so, it could be brain fog. There's so many factors um, that could point to unmanaged inflammation. And I think that's often why it's missed in conventional medicine yeah i think that's so interesting because sorry adel just to make a point here after i le left carly in my mind i was like people really should be going and seeing people like carly rather than kind of just going to a doctor and saying these are my problems because it really is like a holistic view of understanding really what your problems are and pinpointing your root causes of what's actually going on in your body mm. Right. We're, we're talking to Carly Seegers. We, you're getting a lot of information, inflammation. Listen, inflammation <laughs> and inflammation. You're getting a lot of information about information. No, the other way around. You're getting a lot of information about inflammation. And it is, it is something that's very basic to the way that we are living now. Um, join the conversation on 34519 or on 061, our telegram number 061-895-1019. We're going to be back shortly. This is 101.5 FM.
This is the Healthy You, Wealthy You Show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern. Okay, we're talking to Carly Siegels and we're talking about inflammation. Maybe let's give our uh, listeners some type, some strategies that we could implement to manage inflammation. Okay, perfect, Adel. So what we would look at here really is trying to minimize what I was speaking about earlier, those petrol foods or those foods that are going to add fuel to the fire and add fuel to the inflammatory fire. So get rid of the bad first. Okay, so smoking is a massive pro-inflammatory activity or behavior. So really I mean, it's basic, but trying to stop smoking of any types. And um, another one is minimizing your refined carbohydrate and sugar intake. This is so common. Rusks, biscuits, um, all of your high GI flours, breads, white pastas, white rices, all of those sweets, chocolates, pet desserts, pastries. Those are inflammatory driving they foods. They my life. <laughs> they go everything. And no, you do you know what to see a difference as well. You do not have to be totally extreme. You do not have to cut everything out. You just have to be mindful and mindful of what you're putting into your trolley, mindful of what you're putting into your mouth and just reducing and minimizing those and seeing them as real treat foods as once in a while makes a huge difference. Um, and then the fat quality is a big one. So hydrogenated fats, hydrogenated fats are really commercial fats. So they found in your deep fried chips, they found in your cookies and your pastries and your margarines. Those hydrogenated fats are definite drivers of inflammation as well. Same as excessive intake of saturated fat. So banters or keto, we have to be careful here of the quality of fat intake. The fatty pieces of meat or full cream dairy products and cheeses, butter, all of your actual creamy sauces, those animal fats can also drive inflammation and um, drive insulin resistance too. So we do have to be careful there. Processed meats, cold meats, smoked meats, we need to be aware of those. They contain a lot of added chemicals like nitrates and other processing chemicals that really do upregulate um, the inflammatory cascade in the body. Looking at pesticides, I think that's something that a lot of people don't even think about. Um, but it's hard to completely avoid it unless you have your own organic veggie garden, which is amazing and wonderful, but maybe just soaking your vegetables and fruit before you eat them, washing them properly and um, getting a spray or something that can help to dissolve the, the pesticides or buying organic if you can. Um, and then stimulants, alcohol and caffeine, just being mindful of how often you're consuming these and trying to reduce them because they can be drivers. So that's the first step is trying to reduce the bad and then really increasing the good and increasing those fire extinguisher foods. So one of the most effective ones that we can see is omega-3. So omega-3 is found in all of our oily fish, salmon, trout, mackerel, sardines, pilchards, trying to up those to at least three times a week. It's not easy, but if it's an intention and if it's something that you implement into making fish cakes with or making um, a salad with those omega-3 rich fish are potent anti-inflammatory agents. And then, look, a supplement there can be really helpful as well. The quality of your choices make a big difference, though. There's a lot of very poor quality omega-3s on the market that will actually do more harm than good. 
Um, another note on that is a lot of patients come to me and they say, I'm taking three, six, and nine. We have to be careful of that because the omega sixes and the omega nines, we find abundantly in our diet. We find them in nuts and seeds and avo and olive oil. You do not need to supplement with those. What we're lacking in the diet is omega three. So that ratio of omega three, six, and nine in the body is what we need to get right. So don't supplement with the sixes and the nines. Um, Spices, anti-inflammatory spices, things like turmeric and ginger and rosemary and cinnamon, really all fresh herbs and spices have a high level of those anti-inflammatory, antioxidants and phytochemicals, which are wonderful. Another big one to do is check your vitamin D levels in a blood test. Low vitamin D is related to higher chronic low-grade inflammation and more severe inflammatory responses. That's also why everybody went crazy for vitamin D in COVID because we we finally learned the relationship between vitamin D and inflammation. Um, stress management, super important. Deep breathing, switching off that fight-or-flight response, yoga, meditation, whatever works for you there is very, very helpful for controlling inflammation. Looking after your gut health. This is something I can't give a blanket statement recommendation for because it really depends on on the individual but if you're struggling with your tummy if you're constipated or if your stools are always loose or if there's lots of bloating and discomfort see somebody who you can help who can help you with that because often that's where I see chronic low-grade inflammation starting to manifest as in the gut Blue and red fruit and veggies like beetroot and berries all of your berries really tomatoes are particularly high in certain antioxidants that help to calm that inflammatory response down. Upping your fruit and vegetable intake. So many people just don't get enough color into their diets, and it's that antioxidant content of fruit and vegetables that helps to settle inflammation. Healthy fats. So we spoke about the hydrogenated and the saturated fats that aren't great, but all of your olive oils, avos, nuts, seeds, um, unprocessed sugar-free nut butters can be helpful here as well. And then, Adel, I know you spoke earlier before we went live, but intermittent fasting has been shown to help regulate inflammation and switch off inflammation. My advice here, though, is be very careful about how much of a fast you're doing or how long your fast is, should I say. Sometimes if there are thyroid issues, if there's diabetes, um, long periods of fasting can often do more harm than good. So generally, as a blanket statement, I recommend making sure you're getting at least 12 to 13 hours between supper and breakfast, you know, between your last meal and your first meal. That has been shown to be enough to allow for that autophagy, to allow for inflammation to settle. It doesn't necessarily have to be a super long 18-hour fast, for example. Let's, I've got two questions and we're going to go shortly run out of time. Let's just take one minute and then we'll go into the next question. Where are you? What is your position with supplementation? Like sometimes you can sit there and you've got 16 tablets that you have to swallow, breakfast, lunch and supper. So I really do believe in good quality supplementation. I think that it can be a form of medicine in some cases um, without all of the side effects like certain pharmaceutical drugs. The amount that you take depends on the uh, on your state of your health, right? So depending on where you're at, and we taper the dosages, and we we really do use what's necessary, use what's 
what has evidence behind it to actually support whatever you're going through. I think quality control is very important, knowing where your supplement comes from, knowing that it's got the clinical research behind it to prove that it actually does what it's supposed to do and getting the advice from a healthcare practitioner who knows what they're doing with supplements is super important because if you go into Dischem and you just buy an Omega-3 off the shelf, you don't know, is it sunflower oil that's in there? Is it, who knows? Because there's no regulatory body in South Africa Africa, unfortunately, that's looking over the quality of our supplements. So it can be a very tricky thing to get right. That's why the advice needs to be needs to be from somebody qualified. Okay, let's go on to our last topic. I, I mean, I could talk to you now for at least for another hour, but uh, you mentioned you mentioned also before the show that albeit that you are not Jewish, you have got a lot of Jewish clients, and you mm-hmm. know that other Jewish people are having a fresh attack about. Pesach coming around. Let's mm-hmm. talk about all those that are having a nervous breakdown of how they're going to actually get through the dietary concerns of Pesach. Okay. Brilliant, brilliant topic of conversation for this time of year. I think it's so important to have the right mindset going into Pesach. You have to go into it knowing that you'll be fine and seeing it almost as like a really nice opportunity for detox, as an opportunity to eat really healthy, unprocessed, high-quality whole foods. You do not have to eat all of the imported, expensive, processed rubbish. You can stick to fruit, veggies, proteins, all of nuts. All of those foods are so good for you generally, and it's such a nice opportunity to get rid of a lot of the processed inflammatory foods that we've literally just been talking about. So you see, God, so God funny, is because Ada and I were discussing yesterday that we eat Pesach all year round. So when exactly. Pesach exactly. comes along, the only thing we really have to worry about so much is the sugar. Yeah. Uh, that's really the truth. I was telling Peggy, I eat Pesach all year round. On Pesach, I end up taking in more sugar than I would the rest of the year, you know. Um, but it's, it, I, I think, I think what, what you're saying primarily and most importantly is the mindset. You know, take this as a positive opportunity to detoxify yourself and, you know, start adding in more wholesome foods. And, yeah, I agree, you know, to go and pay thousands of rands, you know, just because you need now an imported tomato sauce, try to do something about tomato sauce. It's just you, you need a little bit of creativity. I yeah. think also the fear really comes in that people are so used to grabbing a sandwich and having a piece of bread to fill them up or, you know, not having that sandwich or not having that bread or not having that Danish, that is almost like, it's like overwhelming for people that that constantly eat like that. Yeah, I agree. I think what's important is to make sure that you have carbohydrates that you are still allowed and include them in your meals. So don't cut out carbs completely. It, it might be too much of a shock for your system. You might feel totally deprived. So baby potatoes, sweet potatoes, butternut, pumpkin, those are all really you know, good quality, whole food-based carbohydrates, if you include those in small quantities with your protein and with your veggies or your salad, it's wonderful. Don't rely too much on matzah. I think that's, we can talk about that, but the constipation, the gut health effect, the calorie density, we have to be careful of overdoing the matzah. Even if it's gluten-free matzah, it doesn't mean that it's a high-fiber, healthy carbohydrate source. There you me, I don't think many of us are eating so much gluten-free matzah at $45 for three pizzas. <laughs> okay, this is the Healthy Wealthy Show and it is 101.9 High FM. This is the Healthy You Wealthy You Show with Adol Kosilski and Fagy Stern.
special broadcast alert. Today at 6.30 p.m., please listen out for an interview between Piers Morgan and Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. You can't miss this incredible conversation as the two will be discussing a wide range of topics from the future of the Middle East, Israel's relationship with the United States, and much more. And this interview is courtesy of Piers Morgan Uncensored, early on 101.9 High FM. Um, as always, we always come to the end so, so quickly. Carly, if people would like to get hold of you, how can they? Sure. So my email address is cseager at intellihealth.co.za. And we do have our practice Instagram page as well. We're actually currently sharing some lovely tips for Pesach and recipes for Pesach. So if you're wanting to get more resources, that is on Instagram at intellihealthdietitians. Um, so that's where I'm available. My practice is in Ilovo in the Thrap Center. Okay, excellent. We want to really thank you for coming on. I think it was very, very timely. I think that Pesach, we, you know, we're needing to go from slavery to freedom. Part of our freedom can be let's get rid of some of our inflammation. And we really, really appreciate your your insight in into um, inflammation per se, and uh, we will, please God, have you on again and discussing just the different aspects and maybe looking at different diseases. So this is going to be our, uh, the last live show now, just for another two weeks as we go in and we head into Pesach. So on behalf of Fagi and myself and the whole Chai FM team, we wish you uh, it should be a good, um, a beautiful Yontav. It should be a healthy one. Look after your health because at the end of the day, we all know healthy you and that means that wealthy you. You are going to be full of wealth, of vibrancy and uh, love for life. Thank you, everybody. Chag Sameach, Fagi. We'll see each other on the other side. Thank you, Adel. Thank you again, Carly. Thank you, Carly.